as Danielle mentioned, we're in a series called Start With No, right? Start With No. Can you guys say no with me? No. Can you guys say like, like your little uh, four-year-old girl, you know, say no. <laughs> right? There you go. Um, but yes, we're Start With No, and today we're going to be talking about that again. I wanted to remind you guys, uh, and you can do this right now if you wanted, pull out your calendars. And uh, this next week, we have our, our last week of our, our prayer and fasting time, 6 a.m., Monday through Saturday. Put it on your calendar. I'm coming to church on Tuesday at 6 a.m. I'm coming on Wednesday, you know, at 6 a.m. Like, put one of those days. I encourage you, just put one day on there and come join us for prayer. It's been so fruitful. It's been so powerful. It's just been awesome to gather. And so put that on your calendars to join us and uh, make sure you're here. And uh, yeah, if it's just one this week, come, show up, right? Come be here. If you want to bring your kids before school in their pajamas and they can sleep in the chairs, whatever it is, like let's pray together um, on this final week of our prayer and fasting initiative. And uh, hopefully you, you took one of those guides um, that we've had for the last couple of weeks out on, on the back uh, to join us. And uh, you're just taking those steps closer to Jesus. That's what God calls us to do, is take, continue to take steps closer to Jesus, right? Because when we stop doing that, we start taking steps other directions, don't we? Right? We start taking steps in, the, in directions that feed ourselves, feed our selfishness, end up feeding our, our, our sinful life. But when we think of getting up at steps closer to Jesus, man, God meets us there. And then we want to take that next step, right? We want to take that next step. The first week of getting up at 6 a.m., you know, getting over here was definitely more difficult than the second week, as, as you guys know. Um, those of you that get up early on most days, you're like, ah, yeah, I know how, get, how, how to get up early. Me, I don't do early well. So, um, it's been the Lord, but just put it on your calendars to come join us this week, Monday through Saturday at 6 a.m. We'll be here 6 to 7. If, even if you could only be here on your way to work for 20 minutes, come pray with us. Come spend some time seeking the Lord and uh, be here. As well, as I mentioned last week, we started this uh, year-long initiative and plan to memorize Scripture together. And uh, these are in the back as well for you. And uh, this week, you guys memorized your verse, Psalms 28, 7. Hopefully you've been jumping in. The Lord is my strength and shields. I will trust, I trust him with all my heart. Yes, I, I kept wanting to put will right there. I trust him with all my heart. And uh, so that was our verse for this last week. And then we're gonna be uh, memorizing, memorizing Isaiah 26.3. And it's just, just a way like for us to get back to the basics and rewrite God, and write God's word on our hearts because we know the lies of the enemy are trying to do that at the same time. And we're going to have those, these tools, these verses to combat the lies of the enemy when they come. And so jump in. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to be quizzing you every single week. I'm not going to, like, you're walking on a Sunday morning and be like, all right, Patrick, what is it this week, you know? Um, uh, maybe I'll do it to you, Patrick. You might enjoy that. Um, but uh, make sure you guys are doing that. Take this as just a resource. Like, let's grow together. That's another thing that we can do to take more steps towards Jesus. Take steps to, to grow closer to him. And so we've been saying... We're, we've been talking about starting with no, right? And we, in order to say yes to Jesus, as we've been talking about these things, these challenges, uh, these things that we want to say yes to, right? These new things that God wants to do in us. That's what we love about New Year's is a chance for us to recalibrate, to renew, to refocus, to do some resolutions, some things like that. But the thing that we know is that we're often held back from, from doing the things that we want to say yes to because we've said yes to the wrong things, because we've said yes to too many of the wrong things that fill up our time or fill up our energy or are taking our focus. And if, we want to, and if we're going to flourish, we need to start saying no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. Right? That's what we got we to start doing. We have to start making that choice. And sometimes it's the baby steps, right? If you're trying to, to continue to, to lose weight or you're, you have the resolution to work out and things like that or stop eating ice cream, right? 
Say no one night, and then you can then say no the next night, and then say no. Like, it just takes the process. It takes taking those steps, and sometimes it's even the baby steps. Maybe it's just only one scoop instead of a whole bowl, you know? Um, that's self-control right there, right? But we're talking about saying no, and today we want to say no to isolation. We want to say no to isolation. Last week it was say no to the lies that the enemy's trying to say to us, those voices, right? And today we want to say no to isolation. You see, why is isolation a problem? Right? Isolation is a problem because, first off, God says it is. Right? We see that in Genesis 2.8 when God creates man. He says it's not good for man to be alone. Right? He says it from the beginning that we need each other, that we need companionship. Right? He looked across all of the animal kingdom, and many of you guys are like dog lovers and parent, dog parents, and you guys have fur babies, it's weird, but you have them. Um, I don't. I have a cat, and she is a cat, not a baby. Um, my daughter tries to tell me that she's my, my cat's my daughter. I'm like, no, that's not my daughter. You're my daughter. Um, she's just a cat. She's an awesome cat, but she's not my daughter. But God looked across all of, all of animal kind, all that said, and said, no one, no one of these creatures is suitable enough to companion with humanity. We needed another, and God created Eve in that sense to bring companionship so the way Adam was not in isolation, right? You see, nothing can compensate for human contact, right? We know that. Parents, you know that if you, you know, studies show that skin to skin for a child that is first born is so vital for them flourishing in life, them knowing and touching and and feeling and being close uh, and being in relation well is so valuable. We see that COVID showed us our need for face-to-face as well, right? It showed us that we can't be alone, right? We make dumb decisions alone, right? We act weird when we're alone, right? All those things, we need each other. You see, isolation is one of the devil's strategies, right? Getting us alone, getting us out of community, getting us in our own thinking, getting us away from community is what the enemy wants us to do. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. He says, stay alert, He's talking to the people as he's writing it to him. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He's like, if you forgot about it, your great enemy is the devil. Like, don't, don't get it misconstrued here. He is our enemy. He says, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Right? Peter here is saying, stay alert, watch out for the great enemy. What do we see and know what predators do? They look for the one that's off alone. Right? If you've ever watched National Geographic or Discovery, right? David Attenborough is like, observe now the lion as he is on the prowl, right? He's like right there, like, you know, and the, he's like looking and the, the camera zooms in on this, this poor little baby gazelle and he goes back to the lion and he stalks it and he looks at it. And like, I'm just like, deer, run! And the lion just, boom, chases off after it, isolates it and gets it alone. And then you guys know the rest. And then, you know, as a kid, you're just like, that's the best part. They're eating the deer. Uh, But that's what predators do, right? They try to isolate their prey. And that's what the enemy wants to do to us. He tries to isolate us, right? Watch out for our great enemy, the devil. We have that in turn, when I read that, it means that I have to be watching out, right? If I'm not saying yes to the Lord, if I'm not making sure my focus is in the right places, I stop watching out, don't I? And the enemy can creep in. Right, the enemy's camouflage. That's, the, that's what we see in the, the animal kingdom. We see that the predators have learned and grown and adapted in a way where they could be camouflaged in the midst of their environments. 
And the same thing goes with the devil. He camouflages himself. He masquerades himself as truth. He masquerades himself as, as someone uh, uh, giving us those counterfeits to lull us into, into compliance and looking for ways to devour us. That's the enemy we're dealing with, the one who wants to devour. He says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. He says, remember that your family of believers all over the world, he, Peter reminds us, hey, you're not alone. It's a good reminder. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not alone. You're not alone. Right? You see that part in verse 9. Part of the resistance to the devil is to remember the family that you have. Right? The part of the resistance is to remember that we are here for each other. Right? That we as a church family, I say it every single Sunday morning, we are a church family. we got to have each other's backs. That's the, the beauty. Like you've seen some of those videos even in the animal kingdom where like they're trying to is- the predators are trying to isolate a baby elephant and all the big elephants show up and they're like, nah, not today. Right? And they stomp the, those predators out of there. The enemy tries to lie to us, right? He lies to us so that we, and he says that we can't say no to isolation. He says there's too much work. We don't have enough time. He tells us that we shouldn't share, that we shouldn't trust people, or we end up believing the lie that we've tried that before and we've been hurt. Or maybe you've heard this lie, or maybe you've said it, church people are a bunch of hypocrites. How can I, I can follow God on my own. Or maybe I'm around people all the time. I'm not isolated, but are you digging deeper? Are you growing closer to the Lord in relationship? You see, we have to say no to isolation and say yes to the family called the church. We have to say yes to the family called the church, right? And the unfortunate, right, each other, and the, the good thing is we get each other, right? Right? Some of you guys like, yeah, you guys are like, wait, right? Unfortunate? Like, <laughs> I mean, we mess up. Right? We hurt each other. We, we make mistakes. We know that in humanity we're going to do that. But that's the beautiful thing of family is you're stuck together. Right? We're stuck together. You see, God's solution to isolation is to, yes, to say yes to the family of God. Right? Share the things that matter. Your life, your condition, what you're thinking, your loves, your fears, your failure, your possessions, needs, anything that means something we begin to share, we begin to walk together in. Right? Our values, our hobbies, right? those different things. If you like disc golf, come play disc golf with me. Let's go. You see, the church isn't just a community. We are a family. We share a bond that goes deeper than DNA. And we see that beginning here in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, if you want to join me in your Bibles, uh, we'll be here for a moment and we'll bounce around some other verses today. But Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we see this picture of the early church. And I love this picture. It definitely puts something on the wall for us to aspire to, right? Something that we can work towards. And as we know, this church, it ends up having its issues as well. But it says this in verse 42 of Acts 2. It says, all the believers devoted themselves (coughs) to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and into prayer. It says in verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 
right? That's the goal of, of a church, is a church that is flourishing, right? As you read through that, you see so many things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to what the apostles had learned about Jesus, right? As they taught and they applied what Jesus had taught to the Old Testament, and they, they listed those things, right? They devoted themselves to fellowship, right? To gathering together, to sharing uh, the meals together, including the Lord's Supper. We did this morning with communion, right? They, they devoted themselves to that, right? And to prayer, right? To growing deeper. They devoted themselves to holding each other accountable, supporting each other, walking together. And here we see each of our core values as a church, right? It's devotion, right? That we would be devoted followers of Jesus. He would be number one. Devotion means that we, we give our all, our focus, our attention to him, that we'd be devoted to him. We are, that they were people who were growing, right? Our second core value is that we, we believe in growth, right? We should be growing closer to him and everything that we do, taking those steps closer to Jesus. We see our core value of family, right? As I mentioned, we, we are about being a part of the family of God together. And we see these people, they were living on mission, right? On mission with Jesus, on mission, trusting Jesus. On, and each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved, right? We all know people who haven't crossed the line of faith yet. We have a mission that we're called to when we say yes to Jesus and join the family of Jesus. And so I have four thoughts today as we look at the family of God, as we look at stepping out and saying no to isolation and saying yes to the family of God. The first thing that we see in, in what ultimately is these four ideas of, of participating in the family of God means and the first thought is participating in the family of God means that you will be uncomfortable, right? You will. It's not, it's not your, you might be uncomfortable at times. You're going to be uncomfortable. It's, it takes a lot for me to feel uncomfortable in a situation, but I've been uncomfortable in different groups of people sometimes, right? And, and we see that in the family of God, it means that we will be uncomfortable, right? And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to get into comfort, right? Just as we saw with the enemy trying to get us, he sometimes tries to get us into comfort, he tries to get us in complacency. He tries to get us in a place where, man, things are good. Like, what are you talking about? Why are you, I don't need to be challenged in my faith right now. Everything's awesome, right? But when you come and you show up on a Sunday morning, my hope is that the messages that God has been downloading to me that we get to preach, that I preach on a Sunday morning, hopefully challenge you, right? Maybe out of your comfort zone. And that's my hope today, my prayer for you. Just so you know, your pastor's been praying all week, Lord, get all these people out of their comfort zone. You're like, great, why'd I show up today? Um, <laughs> right, get out of your comfort zone. Right? Let the word of God challenge you because if we don't and we slip back into comfort, we slip back into complacency, that's where the enemy is roaring around. I don't want to see my family, I don't want to see you guys, my church family, devoured by the enemy. That breaks my heart. That No, that breaks your guys' heart when you see that in our midst and in in the people that we care about and love. Right? We have to make the effort, right? So we're gonna be uncomfortable, right? Show up to services, groups, and classes consistently. That's why we're talking about Alpha these places where we can allow each other to, to, to call each other out, to call you know, something deeper out of each other, right? We need to be patient in that way. In that way right? We gotta be patient sometimes with each other. We gotta extend that trust. We gotta be transparent. And at times we gotta be vulnerable, right? We have to choose that. Here's what I've come to know about vulnerability is vulnerability may hurt for a moment, Right, because that, as we talked about those lies that the enemy speaks to us last week, man, if they only knew what was in your heart. We talked about that brain device that you put on and it shot everything on the screen. We'd be like, oh no. But when we begin to share, we begin to be vulnerable. It may hurt for a moment, but I promise you the war- rewards will last a lifetime. The rewards will last a lifetime. 
when we lean into vulnerability, right? We need to take initiative in this way. A lot of times we, just, we can't just let these things happen to us. We have to step into it. And this other idea is that in, in these uncomfortable places, we got to keep our circle open, right? Because we tend to like want to just circle up and, you know, just focus on those and, 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 and just focus right here, whether it's your own family unit or your own friend unit. But we need to open ourselves up, right? Open up our circle of, of influence. Open up our circle of, of people and be transparent, be vulnerable. And that's why we like to say it, like, don't just live in the rows of the church, get in circles in the church, right? And keep those circles open, right? You should get to know more than the back of the head of the person in front of you, right? And you can't necessarily always do that on a Sunday morning, right? Sometimes you get to hear their cold remedies, like we talked about this morning, but you do get to, you got to really take some initiative to get to know them deeper. So the first thought is you will be uncomfortable. The second is you have participation in the family of God. It's going to mean that you will know others and that you will be known, right? That you'll know others and that you will be known, right? These are places and and spaces where the hope is where you can be real, right? Where you can be real, where you can be authentic, where you can be you, right? No masks, no facades, no fake it until you make it, right? We need those places, right? That's where the family of God should be. It should be a place where we find those things. You see, one of the greatest lies of isolation is that you can do it on your own, Right, that we can do it on our own, that we can do church on our own, that we can do commu- church community on our own with me, my wife, and my dog. Remember, our dogs are just dogs. Right, they're going to like you no matter what. Right? We need those people in our lives. You see, God created you to be connected right, to the body of Christ. And as we know in, in 1 Corinthians 12, you can take some time to read that at different points. Write that in your notes. 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the body of, of Christ where we all have a role to play in it, right? Where some of us are a hand and some of us are our feet, some of us are ears. He uses that illustration because it's like, you know, here, I, maybe I'm a finger. Maybe I'm a fingernail, right? Whatever it is. He says all of the us play a role in the body of Christ, which means we all need you, you need each other, and we need each other, right? Like, I, I need you, you need me. Like, we, we have to work together. We're all connected. That is why showing up is most of the time 99% of the battle, isn't it? Showing up and being available. Showing up and saying, God, what, what do you need to me to do? How, who do you need me to, to partner with today? I want to be an active part of the body. I want to be a, a part of the body that is useful, that is helping others. And what I've come to know is that I have something to offer others, and others have something to offer to me. That's why showing up on Sunday morning is so important. That's why I let, you know, just know, you, you know, as you can start to pull into the parking lot on Sunday, show up, you're just showing up. God, who do I have something to offer something to today and who has something to offer to me, right? Who can I step into their life? Who can I intersect today, right? When we show up and we be the family of God together, right? So show up, show up on Sundays, show up in people's lives, make time for real conversations, make time for real questions, not just basic ones, Hey, how you doing? Good? Good. Yeah. Later, dude. You know, like, right? We got to make time for the real stuff. We got to make time for the real stuff or else we just mail it in or we just leave it at the, at the basic and we don't take time to, to read each other's emotions and to have those conversations and dig deeper. We have to take those steps. We have to do it, right? So we can be known by others and so others can, and we can know others. The third thought Beyond the first one is you'll be uncomfortable. The second is you'll know others and be known. The third is when we participate in the family of God, it means that we address sin directly and with grace. 
Right? That we're going to address sin directly and we're going to use grace. Right? Because we know that we're all broken. We know that we're all sinners in this room. Just so you know, like the guy on the stage here is a sinner too. We're all sinners. Right? No one's perfect. That's what I love about church and coming together is, and you know, we're not about wearing our Sunday best here. We're about saying, hey, just show up as you are. Right? We're, we're part of the family. We're all broken in a variety of ways and varying degrees. And we all need a Savior named Jesus right, to wash our sins, to clean our lives up, right, but we, when we deal with each other, we know that we're going to have moments where we might hurt each other's feelings, or we might hurt each other, right, and we have to deal and address sin with directly and with grace, right, we see that even in the early church, as we talked about um, here in Acts chapter 2, it's a great image, it's like, man, they're all gathered together, they had feasts every night, it was awesome, and as I mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians 11, when Paul is in, talking to the church in Corinth, they, they showed up and got out of, got out of order, they got out of whack, right? they were all just about eating and feasting and not worrying about each other at that point, and Paul calls them out, he says, I can't praise you for this, right, you don't, you've neglected the important thing of communion, of gathering together and focusing on Jesus, Right? We see the early church wasn't without its struggles in community. In Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas, they have multiple conflicts. Paul and Barnabas, who set out as you know, one of the first primary missionaries to the Gentiles, they set out and they're preaching the gospel. It's Barnabas and Saul, Saul and Barnabas. They're doing amazing things. But then Acts chapter 15, they kind of have some issues. Or they have some issues in their, in their relationship and they have to work through those things and they end up going separate directions and doing separate ministries. But as we know in the end, when Paul and Barnabas, at the end of his life, Paul writes to Barnabas and writes to them and says, hey, tell, let Barnabas know. They had rebuilt their relationship. They had come back because they have to deal with sin directly and with grace. We see that in Acts chapter 11, Peter and the Jewish believers have conflict as well. Right? There's going to be conflict, but the, and the temptation here at times when we have issues and we, we have issues in our family is to isolate, right? It is to like cut people off or make, you know, those, that space. But instead, we see the church dealing with it head on, right? We need to do those sisters together, right? That's why we need each other. In Galatians 6.1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Right? That's why we need to be able to struggle with each other and, and, and grab, each other, uh, grab a hold of each other if we feel like we're sinking and say, hey, it's, we got you. Right? If you see another brother or sister overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly. That's what we as a church family want to do. Right? We want to walk with each other. We want to walk with you. We want to know that, help you know that you're not alone and to get back on that right path. Right? I remember at a point in my life when I had leaned into vulnerability and you know, I was in a, a pastor's group, like just kind of a pastor's small group, just talking through ministry and life and things like that. We met in the morning. This is when I was in Idaho. I remember this group of guys were meeting and I remember opening up one time and I shared something from my past and, and from my childhood that was like a really big wound, right? You guys have, have some of those. I shared a really big wound in this group of circle and a trusted circle. And uh, it was, it, so I shared it. I remember letting it out there and, you know, just as, you know, that vulnerability piece, like, hey, I'm gonna let the walls down. I'm gonna do this. And I did this with this group of guys and shared it. And then the next week we're talking in the group again and one of the guys like kind of made a joke about it. Like it was like a, a joke thing in our group. And I was like, oh, that guy, you know, that definitely hit, right? And I remember like, Feeling like, I'm going to go punch this guy in the face. Um, no. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> wasn't going to do that. But I remember just that, that feeling of wanting to be like, well, this guy, I'm just going to cut this guy off. I'm just going to cut this guy out, you know, I'm going to cut this group off, whatever it is. But I really felt like the Lord was saying, hey, like, let's, you know, circle back, circle back. And so at the end of that, that next week's conversations, I grabbed him aside and said, hey, like, you know, I don't know if you intentionally did this or, or what, but, you know, you did, you did this. You brought, you brought that wound back up in a joking way, and I, and I want you to know that really hurt me, like really, really hit deep in my heart. And he's like, oh, I totally didn't mean to do that. Like, you know, I'm so sorry. Like, I totally am, you know, I did not mean to do that in a joking matter and this and that. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, please don't do that again, you know, kind of thing. He's like, well, thanks for telling me, right? Thanks for reminding me. Thanks for showing me. Thanks for, um, you know, bringing that back in that, in that moment and not necessarily in front of people, but just have, having those conversations. You see, being vulnerable is difficult. And even pastors mess up, right? Even we mess up in these contexts, but we need each other to help each other grow, right? That's why Jesus in Matthew 18 gives us one of the best illustrations of how to deal with conflict with each other, right? He gives us in Matthew 18, he says in verse 15, he says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out that offense, right? Go privately. And then he says, if that, if that doesn't work, right? If, that, if, if you guys have that conversation, that person isn't repentant, he says, then go grab one or two other people and go have that conversation, right? Let's, let's go talk about this. Grab a church leader. Grab somebody to, to come with you so you can have that conversation. And then he says, if that doesn't work, bring the whole church, right? Bring the whole family, right? And if that doesn't get through, then, you know, Jesus says that, you, that then you can cut off ties. You can do those things. But we need each other to grow. And that's why we all need to have a heart of humility, Right, especially when we deal with each other, because we might say something or do something that might hurt each other. But also when someone says, hey, you hurt me, like we gotta have a heart of humility to say, I'm sorry. A heart of humility to say, that wasn't my intention or that is not my heart. And many people we know, and as you've maybe processed your own journey when it comes to the church, right? Because we're we are the church, people, we are the church. This is a church building, it's awesome. I'm thankful for its position here in town and its location. I'm thankful that it's a warm building and that the summer it's going to be a cool building. Praise God. Um, but this is just a building. You and I are the church. You and I are the church. And many people say they've been hurt by God, but really we, they've been hurt by the people of God. Been hurt by the people of God we have. Who are, and we who are the church. And as we know, we're broken and we fail. Hurt people hurt people, but here's what I've come to know as well, is that healthy people with the power of the Spirit can help heal people, right? In circles and in conversations and in, in moments where we allow the Holy Spirit to dwell and we spend time praying together and working through the hardships and sometimes sins and addictions together, we can help heal each other. We can find healing emotionally. We can find healing spiritually. And man, we can see it as we see in James chapter five. We can pray for each other. We can see healing physically. Right? God uses the prayers of the saints. He uses the prayers of those who are following him to bring healing. Right? God can do that. He wants to partner with us in doing that in the hearts and lives of people around us. That's why we have to lean in. That's why we have to participate. This is a participation sport is the church family. Right? This isn't just a spectator sport. Right? We're called to be a part of it and to jump in. And so participation in the family of God means that we're going to be uncomfortable it means that others are going to know you and, you are gonna, and you're going to know others. Right? That means that we're going to address sin directly and with grace. Right? We're going to see the poison that it is in each other and in us, and we're going to work together to get that poison out. Right? We're going to work towards that. And the fourth thing is, is that when we are participate in the family of God, 
It means that we're going to experience a love greater than DNA. Greater than DNA. Greater than even the fibers of what makes us who we are. We can experience a love that is greater. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says this when he's talking to his disciples. He says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. And we're like, that's, that's easy, right? We know love, right? We, no, we know the en- at times the enemy's version of love that is tied up in expectations and tied up in ourself. But Jesus tells us to love each other. He says, just as I have loved you. And we look at the image of love that Jesus has as one that is self-sacrificial, one that lays his life down for us. That's the love of Jesus, that we see brokenness and we lean into each other's brokenness and we love each other in a way that leads us closer to him. He says in verse 35, I love this verse, he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Right, your love for one another, our love and how we love each other, right, will prove to the world that we are his, his family, right, his disciples, his people, right? This idea of Christian community, right, that word Christ-centered. Whenever you hear Christian, that we should, it should be Jesus, right, that we are Jesus' people. Christian community should be a sweet testimony to the world, right? It should be a sweet testimony when we talk about going to church on Sunday, when we talk about gathering together as believers, as families of God, it should be sweet, Right, as, we, as we, we do these things. It should be a sweet testimony to the world. Christian community, Christ-centered community should call and challenge the world around us because we're living differently, because we're doing life differently, because we're encouraging each other to purity. We're encouraging each other to deeper levels with the Lord. That that's what Christian community should be. It should be calling us closer and closer to Jesus. This is where we become that salt of the earth that Jesus talks about that unique flavor that the world is longing for. We become that salt. Truly loving, truly caring, truly experiencing a love, as I mentioned, that is greater than the DNA. That is why each Sunday I call all you family. We're family. My job as a pastor isn't to grow you, though. Right? It's not my job. My job is to encourage you, to equip you so that you can grow with the Lord. Right? Your growth should not be determined on me. It should not be you know, my job on, on, on anybody else besides you and the Lord and our family together. Right? We need each other. And my job is to equip you to grow so you can help others grow. Right? My job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, as we know. And that is why the family of God is important. So way we can grow together. So we can walk life together. That's why you are so important to the family of God. Hear that? That's why you, each one of us, each one of you is so important to the family of God. When you invest in the family of God, it's the only investment that'll last forever. It's the only investment that'll last forever. Relationship with each other and the family of God is our only eternal currency. And worship team, you guys can go ahead and come and prepare and get ready to go. And our response time today, and we're going to, hopefully have you step out of your comfort zone in a moment. But our response time today is wrapped up in this question. Are you known to this level that I'm describing? Right? Are you known and being known and knowing others' people? Do you know others at this level that I'm describing? 
What's keeping you there? Maybe it's like you said, like we said, our schedule, we're too busy, or maybe the enemy's whispering, right, that it's, you know, you can't do this. That's why we've mentioned we've had the opportunity of Alpha coming up. I encourage you to, to lean into that. Maybe the enemy's trying to tell you that you're too busy to do something like that. Or it's gonna be dark and you can't drive at night, or you don't know if you can show up, or maybe you think that people are weird, or whatever it is, or that you're weird. That's just me. But don't let the enemy's lies win. My family, my church, don't let the enemy's lies win in your life. That's my prayer for you. So you, that we'd stop listening to the lies that drone on and on. And that's why we're memorizing scripture so the truth can come in. So the truth can become what we hear. And so as I mentioned, we have to say no to isolation and say yes to the family called the church. So thank you guys for saying yes today, but let's continue to say yes to him. And the best way we can do that is surrender those things that are holding us back. Surrender those things that that we are holding on to as truths and lay them down. And the best way that we can lay those down is by confessing to each other. Right? In that process of confession, we bring to light, we speak out those lies. And we allow truth to begin to fill that place. And so in a moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you guys. I'm gonna invite you guys to stand and you guys are gonna pray for each other. Right, you're gonna, I'm gonna invite you to go find just different groups, find somebody you don't know maybe, and we're gonna just pray two to three, uh, three to four people in a group. You're gonna pray for each other. You're gonna say, hey, what's your name? How can we be praying? Just pray some quick prayers. It not to be long, it doesn't be anything, but we want you to begin to move in that way of where we're gonna be the family of God, praying for each other, loving on each other. And some of you guys are like, man, this is what Pastor Darren's doing today, seriously. Remember that comfort zone I told you about? Let's step out of it. Let's step out of it and trust that God has family members in here that can walk with you. That God has family members in here that want to pray with you, not just today, but going forward. Let's trust that God has a community and a family here that wants to support you and walk with you, and then yet you too can support as well. Right? So let me pray for you. I'm going to invite you to stand, and then I'll ask you to move out the cabin. Jacob's going to play a little bit here, and then a song's going to play. And as you're done praying, you can jump in the song as well. Let's spend some time leaning in, leaning in. And so go ahead and stand here this morning for you. And then I'm going to ask you to move about the cabin, go find somebody you don't know, introduce yourself, get in some different groups of two, three to four, and pray for each other today. And so God, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's alive and powerful. God, we thank you that you give us each other. God, that you don't leave us in darkness. You don't leave us in isolation. God, that we get to experience eternity through relationship. God, that when we invest into that, into this community, into the family of God, Lord, that is the only thing that will last forever. It's these people, Lord, that have said yes to you, Lord, that we will see in heaven. So God, we gotta figure the relationship stuff out down here at times. So God, for hurts and pains and hardships and wounds that we all have, God, by, by people in the church or by people outside the church or whatever it is, God, may we move closer to you, God. Lay those lies down and lean into your truth. God, may we be a sweet taste to the world, Lord, as they look in and as we talk about what the family of God means to us. God, may just, Lord, the world see 
the church, see the family of God, and they say, man, I want that. I want that Jesus. I want that Christ-centered community. And so God, may we be that, Lord, as we walk that out. May we be people who are fully devoted to you, God, growing closer to you, taking those steps closer to you day by day. God, may those people who are committed to your family. And Lord, may we be living on mission in our world and the community that you've called us to live in. God, we thank you. Lord, help us to step out of our comfort zones, to lean into your family here today, Lord. In your name we pray.